Lord, we've worshipped you this morning in, in our song, with our voices, with our offerings, Lord, and now we just come to worship you by hearing from your word, Lord. And uh, I just really pray that, Holy Spirit, you would come and breathe life into these words that I speak today. Lord, uh, open up our hearts to hear what you would have to say to us. And I, I just pray that you would change and transform us, Lord, more and more into your likeness, God. May our worship in here have an impact upon the way we live out in our day-to-day lives, I pray. May we not just hear your word and kind of gloss over it, Lord, but I I pray that it will be a word that penetrates our hearts today, Lord God. We give you praise and honor and thanks. We worship you, Lord. We love you. In your precious name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So I came back uh, from leave just a few weeks ago. Had a lovely time off in January, relaxing, resting, all those wonderful things, and I came back to find a particular book on my desk in my office. I think Catherine had put it there as they were cleaning out the library and culling a few books from there. The title of the book was Cricket and Christianity. And I saw that and I thought, now that is an anointed book right there. And then I thought, actually, maybe it's a sign. Maybe it's a sign of what to preach on this morning. Cricket and... No, it's all right. I'll spare you that. I feel like the Lord's put something else on my heart this morning. But I I did think there would be some... Parallels to draw. But we're in Romans chapter 12, and the title of my message today is, How is your worship? How is your worship? And in Romans 12 verse 1, it says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Or some translations say true and proper worship or acceptable worship. Have you ever stopped to think about what makes your worship true and proper or acceptable? The kind of worship the Father seeks, you know, in John 4 um, 20 to 23, when Jesus is speaking with the Samaritan woman, he's saying, you know, a time is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. These are the kind of worshipers that the Father is seeking. I don't know about you, but I, I want to be the kind of worshiper that the Father seeks and offer the kind of worship that is pleasing and acceptable to God. And what I want to kind of look at and focus on this morning is moving beyond just what happens here on a Sunday as we sing and gather together, in that it has something to do with the whole of our lives as an offering of worship in response to the wonder of God and the kindness that he has bestowed upon us. And when we're thinking about our worship, how is our worship, our lives of worship, I think there is a a trap that's easy to fall into. Um, You know, and it's probably two-pronged, I guess we could say. It's either... You know, this way, that you can, it's easy to compartmentalize worship, if you like, to what happens here on a Sunday. Our singing and, you know, the praise and worship, that kind of thing. So there's that, there's that aspect of this trap that we can fall into, just limiting it to what we do here, rather than recognizing our need to live lives that honor Him 
or the other days of the week as well. Or this other kind of trap we can fall into when we're thinking about worship is that it can um, be easy to fall into kind of a consumer mentality where we kind of make it a little bit about us and where the worship's kind of meeting our needs. Perhaps you've caught yourself with this kind of attitude or mentality. I know I have in the past where it's like, what did you think of the worship this morning? The sound, the songs, you know, what did you think of the worship? I think the actual probably more appropriate question instead of how was the worship is how was your worship? Because it's our heart's response to the Lord. And you know, I want us to guard against both, both that compartmentalizing it, limiting it to what we do here in church, but also that kind of consumer mentality that can creep in if we're not careful. Because if the superficial things are our primary focus when we're talking or thinking about worship, I want to suggest that we've missed the point. How is your worship as it pertains to your heart attitude before the Lord and your life lived in response to Him? Or similarly, if we reduce our worship to what happens here on a Sunday, we've also missed the point. Because I believe that our worship here on a Sunday should actually impact, have an impact out there during the week in terms of how we view God, in terms of how we think about Him, in terms of how we honor Him as Lord, in terms of how we live in response to who He is. Our worship here must impact our lives out there. You know, it says here in Romans 12 that we're, we're called, there's this almost compelling, in view of God's mercies, and He's laid them out so clearly. His kindness, His mercy, His grace, and Paul's actually spent you know, most of the previous 11 chapters laying out the mercies of God. So he comes to this point here in Romans 12, and he says, in view of all that, I I compel you, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, to offer up your bodies, our lives as a living sacrifice. This is our true and proper and acceptable worship. And it's interesting because this word that is translated here, worship, is um, quite a unique word, an interesting word. In the Greek, in that its meaning evolved or changed over time and kind of grew in its depth and meaning. Originally in Greek writings, it meant to work for hire or pay, kind of that aspect of service, working, giving oneself to a task. It then came to, to mean to serve, but also that to which a man gives his whole life or dedicates his whole life to. In the Bible, though, this particular Greek word is never used in a context of human service. It's always used of service to and worship of God. And so as we think about that, I think that's significant for us because what the Apostle Paul is saying here is that true worship, you know, the really spiritual and acceptable worship is the offering of one's body and all that one does every day with it to God. And that echoes what it says in Colossians 3.17. It says, whatever you do, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So whatever, that word means whatever, everything in word or in deed, do everything in his name for his glory with thankfulness in our hearts. There's implications for us, I believe, in terms of how this looks this looks in our life, how it, how it outworks in our day-to-day lives. Because what the Apostle Paul is saying here, 
basically is that every common deed can be an act of worship unto God. We say, I'm going to church to worship the Lord, and that is wonderful. That is so important. Let's keep doing that together. But we could also say, I'm going to work to worship the Lord. Using the gifts that God has given us, using our hands, our minds, these, the way that he's made us to work, to concentrate, to outwork that as an offering of worship unto the Lord. We could say, I'm going to school to worship the Lord. I'm going to study at university as an offering of worship to the Lord. I'm going to just be faithful at home, raising the family. Whatever it might be, whatever season of life you are in, every common deed can be an act of worship to the Lord should be an act of worship to the Lord. So would you turn with me to Psalm chapter uh, Psalm 100, sorry. And let's keep in mind this Romans 12 verse. It's kind of our focus point this morning. The offering up of our whole lives as a living sacrifice. Because I think it's always good to remind ourselves that yes our worship's not just the singing on a Sunday, but how do we go about living lives of worship? How do we cultivate and maintain that heart posture, if you like, of worship in the everyday, mundane, ordinariness of life? The whatever you do in word or deed kind of thing. You know, what are the attitudes and postures of our heart that underpin a life of worship? Well, I'm glad you asked. There are many places in Scripture that we could go. But I felt the Lord just put this particular psalm on my heart this week. And if we look at it closely, I believe that there's kind of a blueprint in there in terms of how worship looks, how it is outworked in our lives, and some of the attitudes and postures of our hearts that underpin this life of worship. Let's read it together. Psalm 100, it says, Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who made us and we are His. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him. Bless His name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and His faithfulness to all generations. There are just some Psalms, aren't there, that you read. They just lift your soul. They lift your spirit, your eyes. You read that and you think, wow, he's good. His steadfast love endures. His faithfulness to all generations. We could leave it there and that would be enough. But I believe as we look at some of these things in here, there's just a, a few key things that I want to bring out to hopefully help us in our, in our lives of worship as we go from here this morning. And I believe that lives of worship, the first of these is this, lives of worship begin with a true and right perspective of God. Look at what it says in verse 3. It says, Know that the Lord, He is God. Know that the Lord, He is God. And so if we're asking ourselves this question this morning, how is our worship? How is your worship? How is my worship? This is also something really important to grab hold of and consider. Do we have a right view of God? Does He have His rightful place in our lives? Does this view of God permeate our attitude on a Sunday when we gather here to worship Him together? But does it also permeate you know, our day-to-day lives and impact how we live each and every day? 
I just feel there is so much in this verse. Know that he is God as, we, as he has his rightful place in our lives, as we know that he is God, that he is Lord, and we allow him to have that rightful place in our lives. I think what happens is that there's this element of, of submission and reverence that comes into our hearts and lives. When we know that he is God, we're not, for one thing, so we submit underneath who he is. We respond to who he is in reverence and awe and wonder. When we live in that place of submission and reverence before him, the fear of the Lord, if you like, surely that will have an impact upon our day-to-day life and how we live, the choices we make, the things we do. When we're at work, know that the Lord, he is God. We submit to him, we revere him, and that is outworked in our work, in our study, in our home lives. We play sport, whatever it might be. When things get tough or we lack motivation, remember this truth. The Lord, he is God. As we submit to him, as we live our lives in reference of him, that will impact our everyday offerings of worship. Let's look at this. It says, know that the Lord is God. And then it goes on to say, it's he who made us. We are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. What's the dominant focus coming out in that verse there? It's he, not me. It's he, not me. When that right perspective begins to take hold in our lives, it will have an impact on the way we worship, both here corporately but in our lives. It's he, not me. Let's take this further. It says, it's he who made us. He's made us, therefore we can trust that he will care for us. He will protect us. He will lead us. He will provide for us. We are his. We're made for relationship. We're made for walking out relationship with him, his own good purpose and pleasure. And then it talks about his people, the sheep of his pasture. All throughout scripture we read this picture of God being a good shepherd. And if sheep don't submit to the shepherd, if they go off wandering or There's trouble that comes, isn't there? And in the same way, for us, as we remember that he is God, as he has his rightful place in our lives, we remember we're the sheep of his pasture. As we follow his leading, we too will not fall into danger. And it will also impact upon the way we live our lives. A true and right perspective of God will fuel a life of the everyday whatever you do, kind of offering of worship. Number two, our lives of worship have an attitude of thankfulness at the core. Verse four, we read, enter his gates with thanksgiving. Give thanks to him, bless his name. Enter his, thank- enter his gates with thanksgiving. You know, we've read this morning out of Romans 12, in view of God's mercies, because of his mercy, his kindness, his grace that he has shown to us, what else can we do but respond with gratitude and offering up our lives as a living sacrifice? Thankfulness is perhaps one of the most underrated, maybe we could say unpopular at times, elements of the Christian life. 
But I believe it's so vital. In Psalm 50, it says that he who sacrifices thank offerings honors me. And you know, sometimes thankfulness is a sacrifice. Am I alone in that this morning? I don't think I would be. Sometimes it's a sacrifice, isn't it? To say, you know what, Lord, I'm going to give you thanks. When we choose the path of thankfulness, it's an offering of worship that honors the Lord. And it actually shifts something in our own hearts and lives as well. And so if we're going to be a people who live lives of worship and who consider this question this morning, how is your worship? Well, I think as part of that, we must also consider how is your gratitude and how is your thankfulness? Because few things will stifle our growth as Christians as an attitude of grumbling and complaining. And look, I'm preaching to myself this morning as well, and I see this in my own life far too often than I would like anyway. But I think perhaps maybe it's just kind of this tendency or almost like a a mankind's default setting. You know when you have like a piece of technology, an iPad, iPhone, and there's a button that you can restore it to default settings or factory settings? Perhaps that would be one of mankind's ones. I don't know, maybe complaining, grumbling. (laughs) Default setting, that's what it is. Because it's easy to find things to complain about, isn't it? Perhaps there's things even this morning. Perhaps there's things on the way here. Perhaps it's that other motorist that, you know, cut you off on the way here, that annoying work colleague or your spouse, whatever it might be. There's always things, if we look around us, to grumble or complain about. But you know, it takes intentionality, takes the work of the Holy Spirit to choose the path of thankfulness in our lives. The Apostle Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, he says, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. All circumstances. Really, Paul? Really? That's setting the bar pretty high. And you know, when he wrote that, it wasn't like he was writing that from this kind of picture of a perfect life where everything, he just kind of floated through life, everything was easy. You know, that Instagram um, photoshopped life. He was writing that from the perspective of having been in prison many times, beaten, suffering for the name of the Lord. And yet he still writes, give thanks in all circumstances. This is God's will for us in Christ Jesus. In my own life, I, I remember a few years ago now that there was a season where, um, you know, things were a little bit tight financially, just with a little one and one income and, you know, the bills that pile up. Isn't it amazing how some months it's like everything comes at once? And I was in this place where I found myself, you know, you go to the letterbox and open it up and there'd be this inner groan. You'd open the mail, it was another bill or another payment of something and it was like, this inner complaining, how are we going to afford this? And this was this place that I was in, just being honest this morning. And uh, I felt the Lord challenge me on that. You know when we say, Lord, search me and know me? And then he actually does. And it's kind of like, oh, really? And he challenged me and he said, I felt like he said, Adam, I want you to give thanks 
whenever a bill or a payment or something comes, I want you to actually intentionally give a sacrifice of thanks. I was like, fine. Okay, Lord, I will. And look, you know, it felt like a sacrifice at times. I'll be honest with that. But that's been something that I've tried to do in obedience to the Lord. That when it comes, Lord, thank you so much that I have a car that I can get around and insurance to, um, you know, keep me safe. If something happens, I thank you, Lord, so much that for this gas bill, <laughs> this electricity bill. Thank you that there's power in my house. There's gas to keep us warm in the winter. Thank you, Lord, for this rates notice because it means that we have a house to live in. Thank you, Lord, for whatever it is. And like I said, it's been a sacrifice at times, but it's definitely got easier. And it's definitely shifted something in my own heart and mind and life. And um, that's what thankfulness does, I believe, in our lives. Because I'm sure that all of us would, would say that we want to enter into his gates we want to enter into more of what God has for us. I'm sure a few of us would like that this morning, to enter in. That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? But what does it say here? Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is crucial. Living with a thankful heart is crucial to entering into more of what he has, yes, but to the whole living our lives as a living sacrifice, our spiritual or true and proper act of worship. And I've encouraged the youth group with this. They're probably overhearing this about being thankful and young adults group. And there are people that come and say, look, oh, just, you know, asking for advice or tips around like, oh, I'm just, you know, struggling at the moment or just with motivation or just finding work hard or just want to grow in my faith. What do, what do I do? And that's, you know, there's lots of things, obviously, but just a real simple thing that I've encouraged myself in and many people in is give thanks for five things first thing every morning. Give thanks for five things. Lord, I thank you that I have breath in my lungs this morning. Thank you that you've given me this day to live. Whatever it is, I guarantee you, if you get to five things, you won't stop at five things. There'll be 15, there'll be 20, there'll be 30. There'll be 10,000 reasons as we sing about here. For our hearts to find. A spirit of thanksgiving will unlock something in our lives, but it will help us in living the everyday, whatever you do kind of lives of worship that God calls us to live, I believe. So, lives of worship have an attitude of thankfulness. This is the final point, so you can be thankful for that. That lives of worship involve joyful. Service. Joyful service. Did I hear that right? You might be thinking. Aren't we meant to like just serve and grin and bear it and grit our teeth and just, you know, serve? Well, it says in verse 2, serve the Lord with gladness. Joyful service. It sounds like a bit of an oxymoron at times. But if we think about how is your worship, we must also consider how is our joyful service. In our lives, where are we looking up and looking out to be a blessing to those around, to serve faithfully in the areas that God has called us to serve in? 
You know, you might be in a place this morning where you feel like perhaps all you ever do is serve. All you ever do is look around and serve and go the extra mile. That's wonderful. Thank you so much. But remember the gladness part as well as a hard attitude. And you know, it's a challenge because if I'm honest, there are times where I'm serving the Lord or trying to, serving others, but perhaps missing out on the gladness part. That's a key part, just so we're all clear this morning. Serve the Lord with gladness. And you know, each one of us, every single day of our lives, will have an opportunity to serve, to be a blessing, to serve those around us. It's in our family setting or in our workplace or at the local coffee shop or whatever it might be. Look for ways to serve the Lord with gladness. And to link it back to where we started in Romans 12, and it's interesting because the word here for serve in Psalm 100, serve the Lord with gladness, it's a word that can mean service or work or our worship. So in some translations, your Bibles, it might say worship the Lord with gladness. This idea of our when we serve, our service, our work is worship unto the Lord. It's the offering of everyday life to God. Our corporate worship here must have an impact on our lives out there. The Monday to Saturday lives. And our lives of worship out there, I believe, must have an impact upon the lives of those around us. So, how is your worship this morning? Are you living a life in view of God's mercies and in response, offering yourself as a living sacrifice with a right perspective of God, with a thankful heart, and with joyful service? Have you perhaps fallen into the trap of compartmentalizing your worship to something that just happens here at church? Have you perhaps lost sight of the significance of offering up the everyday life, all that you do to God? the whatever-you-do kind of life. Well, let me encourage you this morning. Don't leave this place, you know, focusing on the worship time. Is it, oh, it didn't really do it for me, or it did. I thought worship was fantastic this morning. Thank you to the team. But don't leave here thinking, great, tick that box, I've done my worship duty for the week. Go from here remembering that the Lord calls us, invites us. We're compelled into this place of living higher than that and offering up the everyday, ordinary things of life as an offering of worship to God. And you know, I believe that the Lord is actually wanting to do something new and fresh in our worship here as, a, as, a, as the people of God who gather. Maybe it'll start with the everyday, whatever we do, kind of offerings of worship. And then as we gather here, it's kind of the overflow, not just the extent of our worship. Would you stand this morning? We'll bring our service to a close. If you'd like prayer for anything in particular, whether it's something related to what I've been sharing this morning, whether it's you need healing, you need breakthrough in some area of your life, please take the opportunity 
service has finished a little bit earlier, I guess, this morning. So take that opportunity to come, receive prayer, do business with God if that's what you need to do. But Lord, I just want to thank you for this morning. God, it's always so good to gather together as your people in your house. And uh, I'm just thankful, Lord, that your presence has been so evident here this morning. I'm so thankful, Lord, that we've been able to sing out, out our praise, to magnify your name, Lord God. But I pray that that would not be the extent of our worship, Lord God. That, Lord, it would impact our lives as we go from here today, Lord God. I pray, Lord, that we would be a people, the kind of worshippers that you seek, Lord God. I pray that we would have right perspective of you, Lord, that we would know that you are God, that we would submit to who you are, and that you would have your rightful place in our lives, Lord. I pray, God, that we would live lives that are marked with an attitude of thankfulness, Lord. God, forgive us. Forgive me, Lord, where complaining and grumbling has taken far too prominent a place. May we intentionally choose the path of thankfulness, Lord, and allow your spirit to work in our hearts to help us. And I pray, Lord, that we would be a people who serve you with gladness, Lord God. In the mundane, in the big things, in our workplaces, in our study, in our homes, whatever it might be, that whatever our hands find to do, we would do it for your glory, Lord, and as an offering of worship. I just pray that you would continue to speak to us, Lord God, as we go from here this morning. Continue to show us, Lord, the, the things of the areas of our lives, Lord, those things that you're just wanting lordship in, Lord God, those things that we need to lay down before you and get right with you, Lord. And I just pray that we would leave here different than when we came in, Lord, from having met with you. I bless each and every person here with your grace, with your goodness, and with an awareness of your presence this week. Speak to us, I pray, through your word, by your Holy Spirit. Empower us to live lives that bring glory to you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.